Hi, it's Michael Sinoff with Michael Sinoff's HardToFindSeminars.com. The title of this interview is called The Secret to Finding a Soulmate at Any Age. It doesn't matter if you're 24, 44, or 104, you can find your perfect match, even if you're sure all the good ones are taken. Ariel Ford, author of The Soulmate Secret, found her true love at the age of 44. And in this audio interview, you'll hear how she did it and how she's helped countless others do the same. The trick is knowing yourself well enough to figure out what you need in a partner. And in this audio interview, you'll hear how to do it. And you'll also learn everything you need to know to make that all-important wants checklist and how to use it once you've got your soulmate down on paper. You'll learn the top three limiting beliefs people hold that hold them back. You'll learn how to put an end to making excuses for yourself about why you can't find love and start finding your perfect match today. You'll hear a real-life example of acting as if in the simple and sometimes even illogical way to use that to attract your perfect someone. You'll learn the very first step you should take as soon as you're finished with this audio interview. You'll learn a step-by-step look at the ritual Ariel did that helped her get ready to receive her soulmate and in less than six months, she found him. Finding true love is definitely a process that starts with you. But Ariel says not to worry. It's a fun process. And in this audio interview, you'll hear all the strategies you can take to pull more love into your life and find your perfect match. Now let's get going. Hi, this is Chris Costello, and I've teamed up with Michael Senoff to bring you the world's best health-related interviews. So if you know anyone struggling with their weight, with cancer, diabetes, ADHD, autism, heart disease, or other health issues, send them over to Michael Senoff's HardToFindSeminars.com. Today, we are talking with the amazing Ariel Ford. Ariel, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, Chris. So you have written a great new book, The Soulmate Secret. What is a soulmate? I believe a soulmate is first and foremost somebody you can completely be yourself with, somebody with whom you share unconditional love. And when you look into each other's eyes, you have the experience of being home. And if you accept that as a definition of a soulmate, then I want to suggest to you and your listeners that you already have many soulmates in your life. And it could be your best friend, your kids, your parents, your siblings, your neighbors, your coworkers, or business partners, because a lot of people fit into that category, someone we can completely be ourselves with, with whom we share unconditional love. So if you can identify some soulmates that are already in your life, and start giving them more love, appreciation, and gratitude, guess what happens? You start becoming a magnet for love, and that's how you pull in a romantic soulmate. It's like almost an instant connection, isn't it? Well, for some people it is, and for others, when you just sort of think about them, you know, just ask yourself, can I totally be myself with them? You know, do I love them unconditionally? Do I think they love me? If I needed to call somebody at 4 in the morning, could I pick up the phone and call them? You know, that's how I identify a soulmate. But, of course, you know, for single people, they want the romantic soulmate. And, you know, people always say, well, how do I know when I'm with my soulmate? And I've asked a lot of soulmate couples this question, and I pretty much get the same answer all the time. You just know. You know in every cell of your body that they're the one for you. You know, and if you go through the process of the soulmate secret where I have you make a very detailed soulmate wish list about the traits and qualities and lifestyle you want to share with your romantic soulmate, that's another way to know because you will have the emotional connection, but you'll also see that they fit into the type of 
life you want to create with them. You'll have a checklist. Now, they won't hit everything on your checklist, but they'll hit the important stuff. Like if you know if you want somebody who's available, willing for a long-term, committed, monogamous relationship, and they're honest and generous and thoughtful and compassionate and, you know, share some of your big interests, then you know that you're with the right one. You have to really know yourself. So it's not like making a grocery list. I need eggs, bread, cheese, and butter, you know, because a lot of people will sit down and make a list. Oh, she needs to be 5'5", 115 pounds, blonde hair, blue eyes, or something like that. You need to look from your heart. What is going to impact my long-term happiness? So there may be physical attributes that will have you attracted to them initially, but it's the character and the values of who somebody is that's going to bond you to them for the long term. So, yes, if you happen to be somebody who has a real attraction to very tall men, you know, you may want to put down, you know, he's 5'10 or taller. You know, that may be critical to your long-term happiness if you're phobic about height, you know. But the most part, you really want to think about the traits and qualities. I'll give you a for instance. I knew that I wanted to marry somebody who was extremely generous, not so much with their wallet, but with their time and energy and attention. I'm the oldest of three kids. By the time I was three years old, I had a brother and a sister. So I didn't get a lot of attention as a kid. So I knew I wanted to marry somebody for whom I would be the center of their universe, somebody who actually had the time and the motivation to care about me, nurture me, spend a lot of time with me, be a true partner to me. I knew that would make my heart sing as opposed to having somebody who's a captain of industry running a Fortune 500 company that works 12 hours a day, may make gobs of money, but has no time to be interested in who I am and what I'm up to. You know, you could say, oh, I want somebody who's tall, dark, and handsome and rich, and you could get that person and be completely miserable. Or you might know that you're sort of a shy, introvert, couch potato who loves to stay home and play board games. And you may be looking for a companion with whom you have sexual chemistry, but also likes to hang out and not do the party circuit. So it's a process of getting to know yourself first and then figuring out what your perfect life partner is, not a perfect person, but someone who's perfect for you, and then making the soulmate wish list. Ariel, what are some of the limiting beliefs that people have a lot of times when they're single and they're trying to find their soulmate? Oh, the ones I hear most often is, I'm too old, I'm too fat, I'm too damaged, or here's my favorite, all the good ones are taken. So there are now six and a half billion people on the planet approximately half of them are single. You only need one out of 6.5 billion. The odds are in your Those favor. Those are pretty good. And, you know, age has nothing to do with it. This system worked for my 80-year-old mother-in-law. It's worked for lots of men and women, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old. I get the emails and Facebook posts every day from readers of my book who are now happily engaged or married. It works for gays. It works for straights. It works equally well for men and women. You know, so regardless of your age, your height, your weight, your income level, none of those are really excuses. Now, you can make them excuses if you'd like. You know, I have one friend. She's absolutely stunning and beautiful, but she believes she's too fat. And she keeps saying, when I lose 15 pounds, then I'll work on finding a boyfriend. 
Now, this is just a wall that she shows up because if I showed you her picture, you would go, oh, my God, she's a 10. But in her mind, because, you know, she had a bad divorce 20 years ago, she is holding this up as, I can't find love until I lose 15 pounds. And on some level, that's a conscious choice because this is why God invented therapists and coaches. You know, if you have blocks, if you have emotional issues, go get some help. Or know that you're just choosing to use this as an excuse not to have love in your life. There's a lot of confusion about the career versus relationships. And I think women and men you know, just often put those two things in different camps. Why do you think people do that? It is something that you have to learn to navigate, especially women. Because when we're working, when we're immersed in our career, we're in our masculine energy. And if you want to be with a masculine man, you have to learn how to segue out of the work head into the feminine head. And it's not something we were taught how to do. I actually studied this for a while because I'm an entrepreneur. I run my own businesses. I'm used to calling the shots and making the decisions and being in charge. You know, but my husband's a very masculine guy. You know, he doesn't want to be with another guy. He wants to be with a woman. So I created these sort of rituals for myself that at the end of the workday, I go either for a walk or I dance or I do some kind of a meditation and then I take a bath. I change clothes and I put some makeup on. I work from home, so I pretty much look like a slob all day. <laughs> and then we go to dinner or we have dinner together. I don't do this every day, but, you know, when I'm conscious of it, it's like, oh, okay, I need to get out of my work head and go and be more feminine so I can interact with my husband. It's really a fun process once you create rituals for yourself that you enjoy doing. And, you know, vice versa, sometimes, you know, men, if they're healers, they're in their feminine energy all day. You know, they may need to create some kind of ritual to get into their masculine energy. You know, and that's a longer subject for another day. You have to be conscious, and I think that's sort of where we're looking at. To have a great relationship, to manifest a great relationship, requires a level of emotional maturity. So when you're stuck in your victim mode, I'm too old, I'm too fat, I'm too damaged, all the good ones are taken, you need to know that, A, that's not true, and B, when you're choosing to believe that, you have to own that you're being responsible from keeping yourself from having the love you say you desire. No one's going to do it for you. The right person is not going to land in your lap and say, oh, there, there, honey, you're no longer a victim. I'm here to rescue you. You know, that's a Cinderella story. Regardless if you're 45 or 65 and you've been divorced three times, but you desire to have a life partner, it's not that hard. I mean, I got married for the first time at 44. I had those issues, but, you know, I found therapists. I found coaches. I worked on myself. I acknowledged that I had issues, and it didn't take that long. Well, I had dated a lot of what I called super toads. They were guys that were just all wrong for me, and part of it was my fault because I wanted these super hyperactive type A powerful captains of industry types that had no time for me, and they were commitment phobic, and I was always pointing the finger over there saying they're the problem. If only they would do such and such. And I was constantly trying to negotiate with them. Okay, you need to call me three times a day, and we need to spend this much amount of time together, and you have to give me so many vacation days a year. And it was like this business transaction, trying to get what I needed from them because I wasn't self-aware enough to know that, hey, I was the person with the commitment issues, which is always the truth. It may look like they're the problem. It's you. I was the problem. 
and B, I was looking in the wrong place. For more interviews on health, mind, body, and spirit, go to Michael Senoff's HardToFindSeminars.com. So, you know, I did the inner work, and I finally got real with myself. What is it that I need to make me happy? Who's going to make my heart sing? You know, and am I willing to face some of my demons to eradicate them so I can then be available for what I call big love? And you know what? The thing that I want to let people know is most of the processes in The Soulmate Secret are fun. They're really enjoyable. Yes, there's a little bit of processing to do and a little bit of inner work, but it's balanced out with stuff that's really fun and enjoyable. And it's not that hard. You know, people's like, oh, how am I going to do this? Take the first step. Take the first step. That's it. Take the first step. If you go to Amazon right now and look up my book, The Soulmate Secret, it costs like $10. Even if you need a few coaching sessions, if you're stuck, it's a good investment. We're talking about the rest of your life. We're talking about the difference from you living in a state of, I'm not good enough, no one's ever going to love me, to being happier beyond anything you can even imagine. Now, if you're not going to invest in that, what are you going to invest in? New shoes? I made my soulmate wish list. I released it with a ritual, and the ritual I created was I wrote out the list on a beautiful piece of stationery. I took it down to the ocean. I said a prayer of gratitude, thanking the universe for sending me my soulmate. I then burned the list, and I scattered the ashes in the ocean. And then I took myself out to lunch, and I ordered a glass of champagne, and I silently toasted my soulmate. I said, wherever you are, whatever you're doing right now, I'm ready for you. The cosmic welcome mat is open. I then went home and made a vision map, or some people know them as a treasure map, where I cut out pictures and images and words from magazines, and I collaged them onto a piece of poster board and made it a visual representation of my life with my soulmate. It was really, really beautiful. And then I created an altar to put around the treasure map. I had two beautiful pink candles because you always want things in pairs. I had a statue of the Hindu god and goddess, Krishna and Radha, who represent love. I had fresh flowers, things like that. And every day I would sit in front of my love altar, and I would meditate, and I would have a silent internal conversation with my soulmate. And I would talk to him as if I already knew him, as if we were already together, because that's part of the process. I call it living as if. And then somewhere between three and six months later, we actually met. I don't know the exact time because when I was doing all of this 14 years ago, I did not have the idea that it would someday become a book. <laughs> I wasn't tracking my progress. So I can only tell you in generalities, it was somewhere between three and six months. I ended up meeting Brian through some business things that happened. We recognized each other as soulmates the very first day. Three weeks later, we got engaged. And a year later, we had three weddings, and we'll have our 13th anniversary in a couple of months. I was a publicist for his business partner, and so I had talked to Brian on the phone a few times. I didn't really know his name. I didn't know anything about him. I never really thought about him except that sometimes he answered the phone in Nick's office, and I called to say I was coming up to Portland to supervise a television shoot for his partner, and Brian said, oh, no problem. I'll pick you up at the airport. And really, at the moment at the airport where we met, we knew. I yeah. thought I was going crazy. <laughs> I didn't even know his last name. I didn't even know if he was married, but I was already having thoughts. You know, he's the one. And he had been dreaming about me for weeks prior to meeting. He'd actually seen me in his dreams 
So when he met me at the airport, he totally freaked out because I was the woman literally of his dream. Now, that doesn't happen for all soulmates. You know, sometimes it could be someone you've known for years or it could be a good friend of yours, and then something changes and you start dating, and six months later, you start to see, wow, I could spend the rest of my life with this person. So if you don't recognize them instantly, don't have it mean that they're not the one. There's a little story in my book that came from the movie Shall We Dance with Susan Sarandon and Richard Gere. I don't know if you ever saw that movie. Jennifer Lopez was in it, too. And in this scene, Susan Sarandon is at a bar talking to some guy, and she's talking about how much she loves being married. And the guy is sort of like, why? What's so great about being married to your soulmate? And this is what she says. She said, we need a witness to our lives. There are a billion people on the planet. I mean, what does anyone life really mean? But in a marriage, you're promising to care about everything. The good things, the bad things, the terrible things, the mundane things. All of it, all the time, every day. You're saying, your life will not go unnoticed because I will notice it. Your life will not go unwitnessed because I will be your witness. And I just thought that was such a beautiful description of what a soulmate marriage is. So some people think, well, I married my soulmate, but things aren't going so well right now. Did I marry the wrong person? Just because you're with your soulmate doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. Sometimes with your soulmate, it might even be a little bit harder because we're mirrors for each other. And we're here to love each other, teach each other, and grow with each other. And if your soulmate's not going to be straight with you about your behavior, who will be? So it's not always going to be easy, but there will be a deep bond and a deep connection and a commitment. And one of the things Brian and I decided early on in our relationship was that we decided that the relationship would be the number one priority for both of us. So choices and decisions weren't going to be made out of what does Ariel want or what does Brian want. It was going to be made out of what is best for the relationship. And when you can tackle it from that perspective, it makes it a lot easier. It sort of gets the egos out of the way. You know, and sometimes soulmates do get divorced. It has happened. I mean, it's not often, but occasionally. Like I know this one soulmate couple, they were married for 25 years, and then it was kind of like the relationship was complete, and it was friendly, and it was amicable, and now they're both remarried. And then sometimes your soulmate dies, and then you get another one. I know one woman who's a soulmate coach. Her first two soulmates died. She's now living with her third one, which gets to the question, well, they say you only get one big love in each lifetime. That is such a lie. It is completely not the truth. You know, you can choose to believe it if you want to suffer, but it's not true. There are multiple people who could be your soulmate at any given time. There isn't just one. And if you get one and you lose them, you get another one. The other thing on soulmate secret Dot com. You have a lot of very famous couples, Nancy and Ronald Reagan, Mavis and Jay Leno, Joanne Woodward and Paul Newman, Michelle and Barack Obama. Why are they soulmates? You know, I think when you observe their relationship, the connection, the respect, the love, the length of their relationship, the interactions that they have, I'm guessing that they're soulmates. Now, do I know for certain? No, but based on what I've read and seen and observed in my mind, they are soulmate heroes to me. I mean, is there anybody in that list you would say, I don't think they're soulmates? There's a bond between them. The love they share is really evident. You can actually see it. You don't think of one without the other. They're truly a pair. 
I don't know if I could describe it any better than that. Well, first of all, I want to ask you before we go, you know, what would you say to all the lonely, soulmate-less people out there? I would say get my book. Everything I know about how to manifest a soulmate is in the book. You can go to Amazon.com, type in the soulmate secret. It's like $10, you know, and if you don't have $10, go to my website, soulmatesecret.com, and look under the section called Free Stuff because there's lots of information on how to do it. I've done lots and lots of interviews and podcasts. You can listen to them for free. But take the first step. Decide, yes, I want to have love in my life. Take that first step and then follow the soulmate secret and love will be yours. The first step is forgiveness. Forgive yourself for anything that you've done wrong or you believe you've done wrong in the area of relationship. And forgive anybody you're still holding a grudge against or judging as having harmed you. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Oh, thank you, Chris. It was great talking to you. Great talking with you. That's the end of our interview, and I hope you've enjoyed it. For more great health-related interviews, go to Michael Senoff's HardToFindSeminars.com. That's the end of our interview with Ariel Ford. I hope you have found this helpful. And for more wonderful interviews on inspiration, health, and nutrition, go to Michael Senoff's HardToFindSeminars.com.